Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We're kicking it back old school today. Talk Angry creator James Kellerman joins the show, filling in for Taylor on the road. On today's show, we will recap two big home wins over SMU and Tulsa. We'll also get you ready for the week ahead, a road game at East Carolina and home against the Tulane Green Wave. Great show coming up for you right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor is in Philly tonight. Fred versus Landry should have a great story for you. Kansas.com later this week. James Kellerman joins us. Look who's back. It feels good to be back. For the listeners who have been with us since day one, this is season six of Talk Angry. We used to, you know, be in my basement talking around an Apple computer. But tell us, what are you doing now? What am I doing now? Well, right now I'm working at the Wichita State Foundation. Before that, I was in Naples, Florida, living the dream pretty much, working part-time, no money, scraping by for rent. And before that, I was laid off at the Omaha World Herald. I don't know what the heck they were thinking, but uh, so now I'm back to talk angry. We needed to get you back (laughs) on the payroll. But let's talk about what could be a season-changing week for Wichita State. It started with a big heroic win 85 83 over smu samaje haynes jones and eric stevenson both score 17 but samaje has the reverse layup at the end to secure the win big time and got this streak rolling here i loved the slow motion replay go shockers released of samaje just kind of hooking under the basket getting that left hand up and it looked like he didn't have have the angle on the layup so he spun the ball went right in a uh, beautiful ending to a great game. The lead changed 11 times during this game. It was tied 10 times. If you look at the stats, they're pretty darn close. The Shockers shot 47.7% from the field. SMU actually outshot them 49.2%. But what it really came down to, Wichita State was plus 15 in bench production. But they weren't just plus 15. They outscored SMU's bench 15-0. to zero. So it was actually the depth for the Shockers that I think carried them in this game, which we really haven't seen much this year. Yeah, all five of SMU starters all scored in double digits, led by Isaiah Mike, who had 25 points, seven rebounds. But other than that, that bench, they couldn't do anything. Wichita State was also plus seven in second chance points. Big key to this game as well, they had a season-low five turnovers. So not only were they seeing more baskets go in, but being more you know safe with the basketball. Yeah, and they were a lot more aggressive defensively and going after 50-50 balls. You saw that in this game and the game against Tulsa. And I love uh, Marcus McDuffie, who got Player of the Week honors. He has been really attacking the offensive glass. Well, you bring up that game against Tulsa. They 
outscored Tulsa 17-4 to in the final seven minutes of that game to earn their second straight home win. You talked about the great game McDuffie had. He leads all scorers with 27 points. He looked dialed in from the start. Yeah, 27 points and seven rebounds. I think five or six of those were offensive rebounds. He got a lot of putbacks. Uh, when you're playing like that and attacking the offensive glass, a lot of things are going to go well for you. Uh, that and, again, the 50-50 balls, which it seemed like in those last eight minutes something clicked and everyone was diving on the floor, giving up their body, trying to get every possession they could. Coach Marshall talked about a timeout they took in the second half where he really challenged the guys to go after those balls, get those second chance, take care of the basketball. They end up out-rebounding Tulsa by 7, 33-26. They also forced 18 Tulsa turnovers, which led to 24 points. So it was nice to see the Shockers being the aggressor for once. They only had 11 turnovers, so really a good week taking care of the basketball overall. Yeah, and, I mean, with other big things, Jamarius Burton – he won freshman of the week for the first time this season, and really the past six Where'd or seven— Where'd that three ball come from? All of a sudden, he's knocking those babies down. I don't know. I think he missed the, his first nine of the season, and then he hit one the other night, and uh, he's he won freshman of the week for the first time this season. But the past six or seven games, he's been uh, getting pretty consistent there uh, defensively and offensively. I also want to talk about the play of Jamie Echenique. He scores 16 points in this game, and it really looks like he's more healthy. So he had the plantar fasciitis or, or whatever the foot injury was, and that was uh, kind of at the end of 2018, but seems to be getting back uh, now that we're really at the halfway point of conference play. Yeah, and I know you guys do a game at the end of the show, buy or sell, and I might have one for producer Brian, but... Jamie Echenique, or Jaime, however you say it, I'm not sure. Coach Marshall says Jamie, I'm going to say Jamie. Okay. <laughs> Mike Kennedy is the one on the radio, so I, I'll go with what he says. Jaime Echenique, he has had eight double-digit games this season. He had three games in a row early in the season. About the midway point, he had three games in a row with double-digit scores. Now he's at two games in a row with double digits. Will he get a third double-digit game on Wednesday night? I think absolutely. ECU? They should have a height advantage. Now, the biggest key to this recent streak by Echenique is he stayed out of foul trouble early in games because it Absolutely. seemed like for a solid you know, two weeks there, by the time we hit the 16-minute uh, timeout of the first half, he had two fouls. Everybody stayed out of foul trouble. I mean, I think that was, Dennis. The key. Yeah. that was the key against Tulsa, period, is you get you know, 12, 14 minutes through the half and you got four fouls and you're like, hey, guys, let's press. Let's turn the ball over on Tulsa, and I thought that was a big key in that game. All those turnovers, you're only able to do that because guys have stayed out of foul trouble. Wichita State was the aggressor. They were plus 12 in fast break points, and really the week overall I think was so good for the mental health of this team. We saw Eric Stevenson score 17 points against SMU, really start to get his shot back. Dexter Dennis scores 11 points against Tulsa, and how about that steal and dunk? Sports Center top 10 nominee type dunk, and, and you know you see almost a baby Tickel Cotton in there, and you think there's going to be so many of those you know highlight type rim rocking dunks for hopefully three more years after this. Yeah, I guess after the game, Frank Haith was uh, telling his radio guys. By the way, what the hell was Frank Haith wearing? Did he forget his suit, or why, why was he in a track pants uh, and a polo? He thought he was in Maui. <laughs> he must have thought he was at the Maui Invitational coming to beautiful Wichita. Uh, but anyway, I guess after the game, yeah. Let me get back to my point. It's been a while since I've been on the show, Dustin. I'm trying to get as much in as I can in one day. Uh, 
after the game, Frank Haith was telling his radio guys that he was somewhat offended by Dexter Dennis's late game dunk. Shut up and go back to Tulsa. Play to the buzzer. It's not. It wouldn't be well, the first. And the game was not out of reach at that point. No. So, I mean, Jockers win by 11. I think he's trying to fire up his team for the next time Wichita State goes down to Tulsa. But I think it's like the worst way possible in order to fire up your team to play Wichita State. Great week overall for the Shockers. Which player stood out to you the most? I think you got to go with Marcus McDuffie or Jaime Echenique. Uh, I love the way Echenique has played in these past two games. He's really getting a groove down low. Uh, I wish he had better hands. Sometimes it looks like he's bobbling a little bit, but he at least gains possession of it. I wish all of our big men could get a little better around the rim. Yeah, definitely. But I feel like Osborne, Mitgard, and Echenique are starting to uh, really develop a few low post moves and get things going. Career high 10 points for Mitgard against SMU with the two wins this week. Wichita State moves up to 138 in the Ken Palm rankings. And I just want to talk a little bit about Coke Arena because that was a darn good crowd on Wednesday night starting at 8 o'clock against SMU. The seats weren't all the way full, but it was loud and there were people that were invested. They, they cared about the team. Last second shot, they were rewarded with a great game against SMU. And then the Tulsa crowd really brought it. You know, there were some more opposing fans that came up from Tulsa and look forward to going down there in a couple weeks on a Wednesday. But uh, Coke Arena was great. I don't think I've ne- ever seen so many people excited about a 3-6 and six team in conference. And, you know, they led the AAC in attendance last year. Might do it again this year, even with a down team. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to Greg Marshall's Coaches Show yet for Monday, I, I think you should because it was a really good one. And he talked about how in the past – you're used to good teams, so fans are used to going, expecting to win, and now it really feels like fans are going invested in helping the young team grow. I believe that was his quote word for word. Um, but that says something about Shocker Nation. That's the end of that. I ended that word really weird. It's been a while. I'm well, rusty. We used to do a segment on the show called What's Making You Angry. So if we had to do it on the flip side, you know, is there anything this season that you've seen kind of looking that, you know, has fired you up or gets you excited about the future here? I mean, nothing that really makes me angry. I wish we had a better record. I'm angry record. at what Frank Haith wore on, on <laughs> Saturday. That was so disrespectful. I mean, uh, sometimes I say Greg Marshall, you can tell how much he respects an opponent on whether he wears a tie or not in the game. And so when it's early and you're playing, you know, Oklahoma Baptist, you know, he maybe doesn't have a tie on, but then suits it up later in the year. But Frank Haith, boy, whoo, that's not good. He's coming straight from the garage. <laughs> I'm surprised his name his his shirt didn't say Frank on it. I mean, it wasn't a nice day in Wichita on Saturday, but boy, that that was. How do you expect else. your team to come out with energy if you're coming out all relaxed? <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for a big week for the Shockers. First thing they got to do: figure out how to win a road game at East Carolina. We'll also get you ready for next Saturday's matchup with Tulane. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers will look for their first road win of the season at East Carolina. Game tips off at 6 p.m. Central Time and will be broadcast on ESPN News. The Pirates are 9-12 on the year, but only 2-7 in conference, and they've actually lost six out of their last seven AAC games. They're led by head coach Joe Dooley, which uh, you know maybe some KU fans around here will recognize that name, and their current Ken Palm ranking is 264. James, when you look at this team, you know they're only scoring about 62 points per game in conference play. They're allowing 78. 
don't really shoot it that well from the field. So this should be a game that not only are the Shockers favored, but if they keep the momentum rolling, they should win. Yeah, and absolutely, it's absolutely it has to do with defense. Defense travels. This team has not been great defensively this season, but again against a team like East Carolina, they should be able to make that defense work. And I mean, what was it? They're shooting almost 40% from the field. That's not that good, and they're giving up 48% from the field. So Wichita State should be able to have a manageable road game that they can win this team is minus 7.7 in rebounding margin so I think the big guys inside particularly Echenique staying out of foul trouble will be key he should be able to have a great game they average 12.6 turnovers per game but actually something that I think the shocker guards will need to take and uh, keep an eye out for they are getting 7.2 steals per game which is actually one of the higher marks in the conference yeah the only thing I would say is they have a win against Cincinnati that was a home win against Cincinnati. You know, East Carolina probably has the lowest attendance in the conference. It's a small gym as it is. No one was really there, but they took down the Bearcats. And I heard that even though Wichita State may not be having the best season, East Carolina is having a blackout for the game. And that's been a common theme. UConn had a wideout. I mean, I, we talked about this on a show maybe a couple weeks ago, but that brand Wichita State or the program that Coach Marshall has built up, regardless if they're having a, a down year or not, that's still a big name coming to town. Yeah, Wichita State's name precedes itself, as some would say. This should be a good week for Wichita State playing the two teams that are in last place in the conference right now. Tulane will come to town I'm on sorry. It always Saturday. makes me laugh when you have no response to something I say. <laughs> Tulane is 4-17 on the year, 0-9 in the AAC. Game tips off 7 p.m. when we broadcast on ESPNU. Mike Dunleavy Sr. had two guys go to the NBA uh, last year, or at least you know had the opportunity there at the beginning of the year, but is struggling in his third season. They are Ken Palm ranked 292. So, you know, this is a game at home. You just got to win. Yeah, you have to win this one. They have two guys averaging double digits. Caleb Daniels at 14.5 points per game, and Samir Sehik is averaging 11.5 points per game. And then two guys right there, Jordan Cornish and Kevin Zhang, averaging about nine points a game. So they should, which uh, I say, should be able to get another home win. My personal goal for Wichita State is that they finish conference play with a winning record at 10-8, and 8, which means you have to go 7-3 and 3 the rest of the way. But the good news is you play East Carolina twice, you play Tulane twice, so in theory that's your four games, which makes the remaining games at SMU, at Tulsa, home against Memphis, home against UConn, and then the game at Cincinnati. I mean, I don't think you have to squint too hard to see three of those games that would be winnable. All of those teams, Wichita State has played you know, tough against uh, this year outside of the game at UConn. And UConn, just like Wichita State, is a completely different team on the road than they are at home. So, Okay, you know, produce, I, producer, producer Brian in. time. Stepping in, are you saying they're going to finish 7-2 and two or 6-3? and Because there's only nine games left. We're halfway through conference play. Oh, seven and two. Sorry, they'd have to go seven and two. The you, rest you of the see them as seven and two. I just want to clarify. So seven and two. That's what we're just we're just calling to get it to now. ten and eight. It's to get been oh, almost to get two to ten years, and, and you're okay. still bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if they take care of business this week, you're at five and six, and it's time to get it going. It's time to roll. Yeah, I got nothing else. <laughs> well, let's make some predictions first. Wichita State at East Carolina. Give me a score. Uh, 
they haven't been great offensively, and I mean Wichita State. So I'm going to go with a low-scoring game, about 55-49. to 49. That is a low-scoring game. I think Wichita State at least gets into the 60s. I will say Wichita State 67, East Carolina 60. I think it's a closer game. Wichita State pulls it out in the end. Now Tulane coming to town, home game on Saturday. Who you got? A little more high scoring here because it's at home. Got the home crowd advantage. Let's uh, go 71-60. Tulane scoring 64.6 points per game in conference and allowing 78.2. So I think this is a game where the offense gets healthy. I will say 75-60. to 60. I think it's a big-time win. Buy or sell time, Producer Brunk. Excuse me, Producer Duncan. I got that all mixed up from back in the day. Producer Brian, there we go. Yeah, I saw wow. James to my left, so. I quit. Okay. <laughs> I don't blame you. I did it. <laughs> okay, so we've seen the roller coaster season thus far. You know, there's it's been a, a roller coaster it, show it, so it, far. It has. <laughs> Throwback time. Highs and lows. So, my question for you, you know, are. We're wondering, is this week, are we just experiencing coming off another high and we're ready to go back down and experience some challenges and difficulties? Are you buying that this team is ready to play at a more consistent level on a game-to-game basis, home or road? Are you buying that? I will buy it, but there will still be two or three games that come out of nowhere and they do not look good. I think they are still just too young to be that consistent. I will say, you know, we're in February now, though. So as the saying goes, the freshmen are sophomores. The guys need to step up. The JUCO guys are experienced D1 college players now. You know, you win these two games this week. You're at five and six. You have a whole week off to prepare for a road game at Cincinnati. And, you know, maybe some in this room don't think they can win it, but you go on the road and, and beat Cincinnati, season changes, boys. It's time to get going. Then they're cooking with oil. Now they're cooking with oil. So I will, throw the buy, I will buy the that window. confidently. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to buy that confidently. So one of the things that we've talked about previously on the show is just needing a true point guard to lead the team to be able to really run the offense. And, and a lot of that talk has been centered around some of the recruits that Wichita State has coming in. Uh, Fernandez, ETN, you know, are those going to be the guys who, who really run the show? But my question is, are you buying that Jamarius Burton is the point guard of the future? We just had to go through those freshman year growing pains because now all of a sudden, you know, he's posting a six to one assist to turnover ratio. You know, he's hit a couple outside shots starting to look a little smoother there. He's a big, strong, physically able guard who can get to the rim um, and defensively seems capable. So is Jamarius Burton the point guard of the future? I'm going to buy Burton for the rest of this season, but I think the point guard of the future is coming in in this uh, 2020 class. I guess that's 2019-2020 class. And, uh, you know, he's a big body, like you said. I think he's gotten a lot better on the defensive end. Uh, He's been diving after basketballs, getting some of those 50-50 balls. The shot looks better. But overall, I just, you know, based on what we see from the video and the rankings and different things, I think that's next year. Yeah, I'd have to go with that same assessment. I'd buy the rest of the season and then – Really, it depends on how good Fernandez actually is. Because we haven't seen him play, we're not sure yet. But at least this season, I really like Burton leading this team. And I like the minutes now 
that uh, Ricky Torres Torres has come in with off the bench. Uh, he's averaging a lot less minutes because he hasn't been shooting the ball that great, but he's been playing a heck of a lot better when he does come in for those 10 to 15 minutes. He's been getting four or five assists in those minutes. The offense does seem to flow a little better when Torres is in. Now I'll also say you know, the most popular person on a losing team is usually the backup quarterback in football because that's just everyone wants the unknown. So it's not guaranteed these recruits are going to come in and take over. So you know, I, I don't want to downplay what Burton and, and Torres have done here over these, really just the last week, but uh, I would say overall it's probably going to have to be one of these new guys. All right, so as we talked earlier in the show, the crowd's been really good. You had the quote from Marshall's radio show that he feels like the, the crowd is actually invested in helping this team. So I want you to take your own in, interpretation of best, but buy or sell the crowd this year is the best of the Marshall era. I will sell that. They are not the best of the Marshall era. Yeah, I'll sell it as well. I remember back to the rivalry with Creighton and some of those blackouts that we were having really right at the beginning. Now, granted, we were in college, and so it's a little different experience when you're in the student section versus True. just watching it as a season ticket holder. But, you know, it was really, I think, as the Marshall era was advancing, coming off the NIT championship and then going to the NCAA tournament in 12, even though they lost in the first round of VCU. Do you remember that Bracket Busters game against VCU? Uh, where it was uh, Joey, uh, was it Hernandez or something? Rodriguez. For v- or Rodriguez uh, for VCU who goes down and, and scores that last second shot. VCU's coach, current head coach Mike Rhodes, said that that was one of the loudest arenas he's ever been in. So there's so many of those. You know, you go way, way back to the NIT thriller against Florida State way back when. So th- wait, there's wait, been that's a lot. Mar- of- that's not Marshall. I know. Marshall. I know. That's I'm, not just saying, I'm just talking about loud eras. Uh, but uh, no, I, I, I will. Sell it. I will say I'm the most proud of this crowd, possibly because they're still showing up and cheering really loud. I for was a not a fan of last year's crowd. Last year's crowd had a very corporate feel to it, and when things maybe weren't going as well as it should have, I don't think. Now the game against Temple last year they brought it, but other than that, it just didn't seem very loud. Whereas I don't know if it's Lynn Marshall just pumping everyone up all the dang time, but it does seem this year's crowd stands up a little more and is at least more into it. What are your thoughts? You're at the games too. I think I think I kind of go with uh, with James' thoughts. I feel like it is, in in my opinion, it is the best crowd in that the crowd understands the situation. The crowd understands this is a young team; they need some help, and they're giving you know any little sign of that effort they're getting up for. Guys diving on the ground for loose balls, getting extra possessions like on offensive rebounds. There's a lot of cheering, and I think Wichita State's crowd has always been pretty aware of those sorts of effort plays and hustle plays and not just excited for the alley-oops and stuff like that so in that regard it's like no it's not the loudest but i would say it's the best just because i think it's the smartest does you talk about you and i are in the arena most games i i mean i've been going to games since 2002 so you know so confession i haven't made a game this season mainly because i've been in florida I've only been back home for the past two home games, and I haven't been All able to go yet. All your credibility's out the door on the right. show. You're right. <laughs> totally good. So I do have a question because I'm not there. Does the DJ really improve things? There's been times where it has really helped. Uh, the, I, I notice a few little things that the DJ has done. One is he will blend songs together to keep momentum going and keep the tempo at a consistent level. I also have more often seen them use a song that will keep the crowd pumped up. 
uh, during timeout. So there's been spots where it's good. Um, there's been other spots where they play Sweet Caroline, and I don't understand no. why. Because uh, no. it just doesn't feel... Yeah. So, I mean, I would say on the whole, yes, it's been better, but I think uh, game production probably could still... They have, uh, you know, they flash up, get loud, and defense. I feel like that's in, increased at least. They, it seems yeah, more I would say that. that. I would say I would agree with that. that is the case as well. Yeah. All right. Is there a fourth? Yes, fourth fourth one. So I'm gonna we're going to take a, a little twist on your Jaime Echenique question. So you talked earlier about he, he gets streaks of three in double figures, but we're playing East Carolina. So road game against one of the bottom dwellers in the conference. Does Jaime Echenique become the next player to put up a 20 spot, buy or sell? I think it's my turn. I'm going to sell it. I think uh, McDuffie has another big game, and uh, I'll say he scores 16. Falls just short. Yeah, that would be a sell, right, if you're saying under 20? Yeah, I will sell it only because I think the most he scored in a game this year is 19. He's got eight double-digit games. One of them was 19, and the rest have been 16 or less. So but I think it's I'll East sell. Carolina. Yeah, I, I know, right? It's East now, I, I will say he should have a decided height advantage in this game. I think their tallest starter is maybe 6'9", and so he he should at least, if he stays out of foul trouble, should be able to move pretty freely. And and even though not all those close bunnies around the rim have been going in, I think his overall footwork is is pretty impressive. And, and remember, I don't think anyone was so excited about Echenique at the beginning of the season. A lot of the focus was on the freshman guys coming in. And so the fact that really he's their best post player and it's not necessarily close right now, I think that's a testament because he was kind of a, an unknown guy from a junior college in Texas that you know didn't have too much experience playing the game of basketball. So I, I think it's impressive the, the where he's at at this point. The next stage for his growth, I feel like, is going to be passing because he's now starting to get double teamed a little bit. And his ability to recognize that quickly and pass out of a double team, I think, is going to be the next step for his his progression. I think as Bjorn is probably a little better passer in those situations, uh, I feel like he can do that a little better naturally. And Wasn't it Asbjorn that made the nice pass down low to McDuffie? Uh, late in the game, he was he kind of did a little bit of a backdoor cut, was wide open under the basket. He's done that. He's given that pass to Stevenson, I know, in the past, a little backdoor cut layup. For Echenique, it's mostly out of double teams. I'm not too worried about him making high post passes, those touch passes. But I think just being able to recognize that that's going to start coming because he's a threat down there to just turn and shoot over that shoulder either hand and uh, – I will admit, I would really, at times, I would really like to see what it's like with two bigs in the game, with Echenique and Midgard or Isaiah Poor Bear Chandler, because Poor Bear and Echenique both have a pretty decent outside shot. I'd like to see a little high-low offense if people are manning you up. Well, that's true. I think you just give up way too much on the defensive end because they're just not fast enough. I mean, Asbjorn's still got to get faster, which I think he can get some faster, but he gets burned just by more athletic five men. Um, and you see at the American level, it, there aren't a whole lot of big bruising post players so much, and it's a lot of guys who can shoot, a lot of guys who can move and handle the ball maybe a little bit, and so I think you just can't give up that speed. You know, if you use Brown or, um, you know, 
uh, McDuffie on the perimeter defense, you're, you're doing a lot better. And on the offensive end, you know, with McDuffie, that's just such a huge mismatch for, for most teams. That's not their best. I would like to see player. it sometimes. <laughs> okay. Just throw them off. One thing I'm impressed with you, James, first show, long time, and you came with a game just in the holster, ready to go. Oh, yeah. You're ready for the game? We're ready for the game. All right. So what I have here are quotes about players uh, that Greg Marshall said when they came into the program. So when they came into the program, Coach Marshall said something about this player, and you guys have to guess what player he was referring to. Now, the only twist is it could be a player could be on this team had they stayed at Wichita State. Is it any specific recruiting class, or is it last couple of years, or is it just like the last year? That's as specific as I'll get. Okay, <laughs> fine. I almost messed up that word there. All right, so Coach Marshall said this about one of his players. We feel he has the raw talent and athleticism to be not only a fine collegiate player, but eventually a guy who could play at the highest professional level i'm in for the win dexter dennis gosh dexter dennis that's correct good job you gotta say in for the win what you got (laughs) (laughs) number two this is a guy we have been recruiting for several years and he's blossomed into an outstanding player he's an excellent shooter ball handler and defender who knows how to play the game i'm gonna go stevenson i'm gonna go chance more both wrong. Landry Shamit. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's a long time away. Now, now I got some. Now I got now a sense of scale. Now I got a sense yeah. of scale. He could be on this year's team. He oh, okay. Yes. That's what be I a meant. Junior on this year's team, for example. <laughs> he has a tremendous. He has tremendous potential and can play multiple positions. He shoots the ball very well for someone his size, but can also get to the rim and defend. He plays for a hollow. Oh. Oh, I know oh, it. And for that, the win. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little hint there. I was supposed to save that part if you guys couldn't get it. Marcus, Marcus McDuffie. McDuffie. There it is. <laughs> Legendary coach, Hurley. <laughs> we hear that every single game. Every single game. <laughs> if you know his two boys, coach college basketball. <laughs> uh, this one's easy. He possesses two important qualities that you look for in a post player, hustle and muscle. McGuard. Midgard. He has continued to mature as a person and player with the help of coaches. Every time we see him play, he shows improvement in his knowledge of the game, his body, and his overall skill set. I'm marking it wrong right now. Eric Stevenson. Alex Lomax. Both wrong. Eric Hamilton. Oh. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. Yeah. We feel he has poise, leadership ability, and talent to step in from day one as a lead guard. He scores at all three levels and has a tremendous feel for the game. No. Eric Stevenson, I'll go with my answer Ricky again. Torres. Oh, wow. He certainly, well, never mind. I'm gonna He's struggling. Keep my comments to myself. He's struggling. <laughs> he was a JUCO All-American. Yeah. Yep, he was. He's he just was. struggling so far this season. I think if he can Under get his 10%. swag back, he can improve. How many uh, games have we played this year? Let's see. I have three left. I'll try to make them quick. Uh, I love his game and his mental approach. He's a hard-nosed player with skills to match. He's strong, athletic, and can really shoot it. We think he'll fit in very well here and have a chance to help us right away. 
He also said, here's a hint, because both of you look dumbfounded. He's a Ron Baker type. Eric Stevenson. I was going to go Stevenson. I was trying to decide Can't between him Can't Stevenson three times in a row? <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, do we have a score here is uh, what, what we're doing? Uh, Me well, versus Brian? I, have, I don't have you versus oh. Brian. <laughs> I have how many you have wrong. Let's go back to the tape. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll review the tape after this. Two I'll left. It. He is a young man who has shown the ability to score the basketball. He is a physically strong and tough driver and post-up player who also pounds the offensive glass. He has a relentless work ethic. Jameer Spurton. Rod Brown. Teddy Allen. And the final one. He's a guard with tremendous athleticism and a great ability to score. We foresee him being a dynamic on-ball defender for us. Tyrone Taylor. (laughs) These names, like, it's like, I I can't even recall that name until you say it. I know. That's why I thought it would be fun. Well, that was a fun game. We'll have to bring that one back out at some point. Big week again for the Shockers as they try and keep their winning streak going, get their first road win, and take care of business against two struggling teams in the AAC. We'll be back with you next week, get you ready for a big road matchup at Cincinnati. You want it. You need it. You got to have it. You love it. Listen to us talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Rate us five stars.